Sways at 1414 Newcastle Street in historic downtown Brunswick, Georgia is your friendly neighborhood bar and grill where you'll find it all. Good food, good music, good times. I want to go back to Tipsy. It's always amazing to me how people don't know their history. <laughs> and that's why these tribute festivals are so important. Mm-hmm. Not only to bring the music community together, but to get people to realize like, hey, whoa, this his really important person was from Waycross yeah. mm-hmm. or went to school in Jacksonville. I was 22, grew up here, born here, did not hear the words Graham Parsons. Until mm-hmm. I met his nephew, who is named after him. named after him. <laughs> and we call him Graham. Yeah. Welcome to Something in the Water. I'm co-host, Uncle Dave Griffin. I'm Sean Clark. And we're here with our good buddy, Brad Loretti, singer-songwriter. 
Thank you. Yes, sir. <laughs> Brad Loretti. Yeah. I like that hat, man. Thank you. You inspired it, actually. I saw your hat collection, and I'm like, yeah, I can't right. go in here. Right. Like, yeah. looking like this. Brad rolled into town this afternoon. And, uh, but I do have. And oh uh, <laughs> stopped by my house before we came over to shoot the podcast. And he, he was admiring my hat collection. And uh, I told him that my daughter's got a, a little clothing store, women's clothing boutique here in Waycross, and Megan's Boutique. And uh, she sells these hats. And uh, so we went down there and tried some on and couldn't find just the right one. Then then uh, 30 mi- minutes before showtime, I took him to the tractor supply. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Tractor supply. If you're listening. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what we do every time I come here. We go shopping. <laughs> <laughs> Retail therapy. I tell you all the my problems, and then we go buy stuff. <laughs> like a good American. <laughs> it, it usually works out. That's a good hat. I've been looking for my for myself a hat, and uh, I didn't realize Tractor Supply had any. They got some. Yeah, down nice there. ones. It's cowboy hats. My fedoras. problem is I got a big head. So. Me too. Like I need the extra large, and um, so you got to look a little, a little extra sometimes. <laughs> and it resembles. Pull out your album, oh, right yeah. There's you got you sporting a fedora on that one, but yeah. that's the Stetson, right? That's my Stetson Santa Fe. This one's in black, which I was feeling, you know, kind of like a villain at the time <laughs> when I did this. And then since the album came out, I said, you know, I'm really not that bad of a guy. I'm I'm a nice guy. I'm on the good side. So now you've opted for dark brown. Yeah, dark brown. And you eventually easy, yeah. I want to get to to gray, like Uncle Dave. And but, uh and and speaking of which, the dark brown hat that you're wearing from Tractor Supply was one fifth the amount of <laughs> uh, that you paid for the stats. <laughs> That's right, but you know, never tell how much you pay for stuff because that's right they'll think you're rich it's expensive <laughs> so tell us about okay uh folks hold hold that album up to that camera right there that side camera go with this the flow frontier needs heroes okay. that is the name of uh brad's group uh uh project I guess you could call it project uh, yeah, because you art project. Yeah. You go from solo to duo to group. Uh, Depending on my relationship status, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and uh, and uh, keep the same name. This frontier needs heroes. Is that an actual quote from something or somebody, or did oh, you yeah. come up with that? It kind of um, actually my. Uh, <laughs> It's kind of started, I was in a band back when I was still living in New York that was called The Mountain Men. The Mountain Men. And we broke up because, you know, all bands break up. Mm -hmm. And and I was like trying to come up with a name. So I came up with The Frontiersmen. Uh, But then I was kind of like, that's kind of like, you know, too hokey for New York. And so I was like, what about this frontier? And then my friend Sebastian, who like recorded the album so he just said this frontier needs heroes 
And I was like, oh yeah, that's great. And people, <laughs> you know, love the name. It's it's meant to be sort of inspirational, <laughs> kind of like, you know, back in World War II, Woody Guthrie used to write, this machine kills fascists. Exactly. I, I was gonna, I, that to that was my guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I wrote in the press release. Mm -hmm. So it does. <laughs> it has that feel. Right. And Woody yeah. Guthrie was such a huge influence on me. So it kind of, that's the spirit of it. But at the time, when I came up with the name, I thought fascists. I mean, mm -hmm. who who's ever heard of fascists? And then here we are. They're coming back, <laughs> yeah. like the '90s, like mm -hmm. grunge scene. So mm -hmm. it's like, uh, but it's meant to be a positive thing to inspire people to to believe that even small things in their life can be heroic, you know, and to mm -hmm. you know just try to be a good person. Mm -hmm. It's cool. Yeah, I like it. It's very positive. Yep. It's just too long for people to remember most of the time. Well, you so. could do the old uh, acronym. TFNH. Yeah. Then I'd have to change my Instagram profile. <laughs> That's my agent. <laughs> that, 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 that was, like word, uh, thank God it's Friday for dyslexics or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, then people start, you know, making up funny things yeah. to make fun of you, which is, I don't know if that's. That means if that's a good thing or not. Yeah. Usually when people are making fun of you, that means that you're successful. Yeah. Too friggin' nice, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, nice guys finish last. You ever hear that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm the... Uh, yeah, I represent that one <laughs> pretty good. Um, so first, let's, let's go back to... Uh, how we met your memory of that is probably better than mine but mm. so uh i was uh i've been putting on the the annual grand parsons guitar pool tribute festival since 98 uh, and well the first four years was backyard party unofficial and then we moved it into the uh, public and started having them uh, 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 started having real, sure enough, headliners and um, supporting groups and sponsors and vendors and um, charging money for tickets and all that kind of thing. And it was long about. I came in 2012. 12. That's when Dang, I moved to Jacksonville. I moved there like the summer of 2012. And I was working at the Underbelly. And um, Underbelly I, was a nightclub downtown Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. And then you guys, one of you guys put a poster up on the wall or something. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, let me message these guys because, you know. <laughs> you knew who Graham was oh, already. Yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> and and uh, I think I messaged you and said, hey, um, I just moved here. And I know that it's short notice. But if anybody cancels, I'd be happy to play. And mm -hmm. somebody canceled or something. I don't know. Just being... 2012 would have been uh, long about the last weekend of September in 2012. Uh, uh, 
we made it happen though, yeah right? yep and uh and you played uh four or five four years, or five years yeah. running there mm-hmm. then yeah. i kind of like well we were doing the songwriting contest too you came up with that uh, uh seems to me that we had that conversation on the porch mm-hmm. at LL Creek. Did you come up here? Yeah, we we did a. You came up. Mm-hmm. I was doing a uh, Uncle Dave's Saturday night uh, something. Lita had me hosting a. Uh, I can't remember what it was called. Porch jam or something yeah. like that. Porch jam. Saturday night porch jam, and she let me be in charge of it and uh it was like it wasn't every saturday it was like maybe one saturday out of the month one or two saturdays out of the month i would uh book two or three songwriters and we'd get up there and just play originals all night long and you were there one one saturday and that's when we were talking out on the back porch and you said, I've got this idea for the uh, guitar pool. You need to have a Grand Parsons guitar pool songwriting competition to go along with the festival. And and that was huge. That was a great idea. And uh, it really took off. A lot of folks were were involved in in submitting their... Mm -hmm. uh, their original songs mm-hmm. and uh you came up with that uh whole whole deal and well, an excellent you. idea well you know what it was i was sitting there and i was kind of new to jacksonville i was fr- i had moved from new york mm-hmm. and everybody was always like why did you move to jacksonville you know <laughs> and like part i didn't even really know i mean i i moved there to like work at that music venue and i've just try to mix things up i was kind of bored in my life just looking for something new and i'm hanging out with all these people and i'm like oh do you guys know about the grand parsons guitar pole up in waycross you know which is just down the road and they were like oh i think my dad like went to high school with him and like played in a band with him and stuff and i was like wow okay so because part of graham's history he went to high school in jackson bowls academy sure do and for me, like I'm a historian and it's always amazing to me how people don't know their history. <laughs> and that's why these tribute festivals are so important, mm-hmm. not only to bring the music community together, but to get people to realize like, hey, whoa, this his really important person was from Waycross yeah. mm-hmm. or went to school in Jacksonville. I was 22, grew up here, born here, did not hear the words grand parsons until mm-hmm. i met his nephew who is named after he's named after him and <laughs> we call him graham yeah <laughs> and uh then i met dave and i was just like what Where? Mm-hmm. you know i was already a songwriter and everything and i was like, what is this yep uh, well it's, it, it's, it just goes to show you the lack of uh in, uh impetus uh by the town itself but the fact that you've done this tribute festival for 20 how many years 24 i mean everybody that you come across at least knows 
Yeah, it's, it served that purpose. You know, it, it is uh, educational, too, and uh, entertaining as far as the music goes, but educational at the same time and getting that information out there. And, uh, well, also, think about the people that we met. I, Ian Dunn. I love that part about I mean, it. And then I met That's the— my uh, favorite thing about the festival is the community that it's built, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, right. I the mean, and people who otherwise would not have ever met. Exactly. No, that's, you know. And that to me is really what even being a musician is all about, too, because, you know, I, you know, I tour a lot, like all over. I just was out in the West Coast and doing some shows like in Montana and Seattle and San Francisco and just seeing those musicians that I haven't seen in a few years. Mm-hmm. That's really, honestly, I was talking to Betsy Frank about it up in uh, Eddie Owens. And I was like, really, I just came here to see you. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you, you know, it's <laughs> great. I get to play my songs every night, fine. But really, I'm kind con- To congregate see- with other. Yeah, my friends, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Mm-hmm. At this point, they're all over the world, you yeah. know. Betsy's got the best hugs. Yep. I would recommend a hug from Betsy Frank. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, no, I know. I'm still, I have one of her t-shirts. I didn't even, I, t- I wore it for like three days after she hugged me. She's a, she's a sweetheart. Yeah. Um, so you've, uh, you've been on the road in, in all this well, COVID pandemic and everything you actually been doing some traveling huh well all the shows have been outdoors mostly so you know they're all cdc compliant local ordinances and stuff and you know so it's been small groups of people who are you know looking for what you know live only live music can do which is bring people together and hear the sound. You know, we were talking about how vinyl sounds so much better, mm-hmm. but I mean, what sounds better than a, than a live show? Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's yeah. the best sound you can get. Mm-hmm. And so everything we're doing is safe. I'm, I'm doing another, I'm doing a couple more shows and then I'm probably going to take a few months off and see how it goes. Cause you know, mm-hmm every area has been like different you know so where are you living now i'm in miami miami Mm -hmm. well after i left jacksonville i moved to to nashville i was living in nashville for a few years because you know i was obviously nashville is always like place songwriting mecca and i was like well hey i'm not doing anything else right now i might as well Go to Nashville and try Is that it your out. first time there? Living there, yeah. Living there? I had been playing some shows, so I like I was like I went to Nashville first like twenty years ago when I was in college mm-hmm. with my friends. We drove from New York for like a weekend. And I remember we went to like a show and I was just like, Whoa, you know, cause and so, you know, you can't beat the songwriting scene in Nashville, you know, there's people from all walks of life you know there's the hit makers but then there's like just cool people like us and so i met like lots of 
lots of friends there and you know i'm definitely gonna like but then like i kind of was like i was touring <clears throat> a lot in europe mm -hmm. and i was like you know i was making more money there <laughs> so it was kind of like well you know so i was spending like half the year in europe and then half the year in nashville and then the lot you know the last two years have been this this whole mess yeah, yeah. and i kind of was like i was in new york again living at my sister's place and then i kind of my friend opened up like a music venue down in miami and i was kind of like i had been going there for years like every for every new year's eve always kind of fascinated by it as a place mm -hmm. because you know there actually was kind of a really cool music scene down there too like fred neal jerry jeff walker mm -hmm. jimmy buffett like miami has coconut this. coconut grove exactly so miami is like people have uh you know their skewed views on what miami is but it's actually a pretty awesome place so there's still a good like americana scene happening down yeah there? i was i was actually surprised especially because working at this music venue i've got to meet like all the songwriters and i'm telling you i can recommend some to you right now april nicole is like a you know a young upcoming songwriter nick county it's like a good friend of mine now mm -hmm. rick moon taylor davis there's guys that are doing you know doing the touring thing too mm -hmm. they just have to drive out of florida <laughs> six yeah, hours all of these folks are, the are from miami um or they, they miami live there home? now yeah they, they <laughs> there now. Okay. it's hard to find anybody who um is from miami <laughs> is from anywhere yeah. anymore right that's true one of the songs on my new album is called don't hate your hometown and it was like it was inspired by i was in paris and the sound guy said after the show he's like hey do you want to go to a party with me and i'm like yeah sure you know and then in paris of course i want to go to a party <laughs> and i go to the party and they're all like how do you like paris and i'm like oh i love paris the food the wine the the city the streets the sen mm. the art you know everything and then they're like oh i hate paris <laughs> and i was like man have you seen toledo ohio <laughs> i was like paris isn't that bad <laughs> you know but it just made me realize and i tell this story every time where i go now because everywhere you go people are there's the people who are from there yeah. and then there's like the new people and it's like mm. there's this weird like conflict right mm -hmm. like who's and i remember that that's actually was kind of like how nashville was too they're like oh you're new here <laughs> yeah. i'm like so what nashville's like that for sure i'll be like oh you've been here for 10 years okay yeah. good for you yeah. guess what i've been doing the last 10 years <laughs> it's pretty cool too you know yeah. so i always just thought it was like kind of ridiculous you know you know people are people <laughs> and you should judge them by number one how good their songs are <laughs> mm -hmm. and then how good of a person they are you know mm -hmm. you know the things that actually matter you know <clears throat> i uh, like some of them titles i was reading you uh, gave me one of the one of your albums at the house earlier um uh very interesting titles i refresh my memory there 
What's that Isn't last the Leonard Cohen, How Leonard Cohen Learned to Play Guitar? That's a long title. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine. I can't imagine what that song is going to sound like word-wise with a title like that. Well, if you look on Spotify, it just says Leonard Cohen because I oh, knew okay. if I typed that out, nobody would ever find it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but that song, actually, I was. Um, if you remember, Leonard Cohen died like either the day before the election or the morning of like when Trump got elected. And I was just like, 2016. Yeah. It was like either the same day or the day before. Like, yeah. And so I was like, you know, freaking out about Trump and I'm just trying to forget that that even happened. So I was like, I'm like, well, let me do like a YouTube search for Leonard Cohen and try to find something that I have never seen before on mm. Leonard Cohen. And I found this little speech that he was, he was getting an award called the Azuri's prize, which is basically the Nobel prize from Spain for mm -hmm. literature. Mm -hmm. I recommend everybody like look it up because it's such an interesting thing. I wrote a song about it, but he tells the story because Leonard Cohen started off just as a writer, not as a musician. Right. Okay. And one day he had this serendipitous encounter with this Spanish guitar player. And he's like, oh, can you give me a guitar lesson? So they had this guy gave Leonard Cohen like one guitar lesson. Hmm. Now, the crazy part of the story is he goes back the next day and apparently this guy um, took his own life, oh. which I thought was kind of the most Leonard Cohen sort of yeah. story you could possibly imagine. And so I was like, wow, this guy, you know, I'm, I don't really like dwell on dark subjects like that, but I just felt like this was like, if I'm going to write a song about suicide, you know, this would be it. And I was actually living in Barcelona at the time Ooh. and I'm sitting on a balcony and just I was learning a lot about the Spanish Civil War and the Spanish Civil War was actually pretty brutal. There's lots of like unmarked graves and lots of people were killed during those times. One of whom was Leonard Cohen's favorite poet, Frederico Garcia Lorca. So I'm sitting there with all this stuff like swirling around in my mind and I'm like, how do I condense this all into a song? Mm -hmm. And so that's going to be interesting to listen to. <laughs> yeah. That's that's one that I'm like really proud of. Yeah, I would say so. You know. Because you know songs that come from the oddest oddest places and uh to to be able, and the other one there that I caught my eye was something about the muse. When the muse comes. When the muse comes and it yeah. came at that point in time for you. Mhm. Mm uh, can you imagine though uh, uh, the weight that Leonard Cohen must have carried around after <laughs> taking one guitar lesson? The guy kills himself. <laughs> you probably blamed himself for a while. There, like, wow. was I that bad? I, I was thinking. I was thinking along the lines of, uh, was I that bad? Um, 
the that guy felt like he had nothing to live for, and yet one of the last things he gave on this earth was teaching Leonard mm-hmm. Cohen his first guitar chords, which changed that his direction. Into, that's why that was part of the yeah, thing that blew my mind. It's like a seed and a flower, and seed yeah. planted in a flower. It just shows growing. you like what you know every day you have to live for the like, ripple effect. Like if he, if he would have did it a day earlier. There, we may not even be talking about Leonard Cohen right now. <laughs> no, true. And oh, if he had wow. waited another day, he might have gone on tour with Leonard Cohen his whole life and yeah. lived this unbelievable. Yeah. You know, it is kind of like mind boggling. Mm-hmm. And you don't, you never know the impact that you're going to have on somebody. Or, and, or, and, um, and I'm sure that world. guy felt he was probably just another student. Didn't You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't a big deal for him to show him, but it, the, the major difference that it probably made in Leonard Cohen's life, you know, mm-hmm. he changed world history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 The little thing uh, called the butterfly effects. <clears throat> what would have happened had uh, John Lennon's uh, daddy taken him to to New Zealand that day in Blackpool when he took little John uh, out to the docks. His plan was to uh, hijack him onto that boat, that ship, and sail off with him. And somehow or another, women's intuition, Aunt Mimi or his mama Julia or something sensed uh, something was not quite right, and they managed to intercede hmm. that day. And uh, and it, sure enough, it was like uh, they gave little John Lennon a choice. He was uh, four or five years <laughs> old, and they said, you want to go with Daddy or do you want to stay with Mommy? <laughs> and he's... <laughs> poor kid, you know, he like looks this way and looks that way, and he kind of leans towards his daddy, and then in a one of them Hallmark movie moments, he turns around, right there standing with his daddy, he turns around and looks back at Julia, and then he runs back to her, mm. and uh, there's he, the rest is history. What if he had gone to New Zealand? Would there wouldn't have been, or there there may have been a Beatles, but no, it would have altered the whole thread. Yeah, yeah you know that reminds me, like if if I hadn't watched that Bee Gees documentary a few months ago, <laughs> I would have never moved to Miami. <laughs> I'm so, like I'm serious. I watched the Bee Gees documentary. And I was like, and you know, so much of what they did, they recorded in Miami. Yeah. That's another. And it you reminded know. you of your friends. And I was friends, like, you know, it? I think I'm going to go into my BG's phase. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I haven't well, watched you that got, yet. You got the right look there with the shirt, you know, pop that button. Yeah, get wait, the, one more. Get There you go. Now, <laughs> now, now you're starting to. The Miami you, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> BG's. What did BG stand for? Maybe brothers um, Gib. Be like, hey, um, Robin, if you need another brother. <laughs> <laughs>
That was a good documentary, though. I can, uh, I loved the Bee Gees uh, prior to uh, Saturday Night Fever, you know, before they started uh, dressing up. I, that music was, it was, it was, uh, there was a lot of talent in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that was the first Bee Gees that I heard was my parents had that album. But you go back to the 60s, yeah, go back yeah. to 66, yeah, 67. Back, oh, my God, some of that stuff. But Massachusetts. I liked, and, you know, not knowing anything, mm-hmm. that being the first thing I heard, uh, I liked it then, yeah. I started a joke, all that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. some of their stuff is dark. Islands in the stream. <laughs> <laughs> well that was the thing that was so crazy how like they got so popular right this was one of my takeaways from the documentary <laughs> that they had to give their songs to other artists because the, they were they were like almost like too played out mm-hmm. okay and there was one one of well what's you know what song i love is that emotion no 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 wait what's what's the one in the, the words uh, of a broken heart Justin. No, there was another one. Oh man, maybe I'll remember. Another a female artist recorded it. Oh, it wasn't Islands in the Stream. Um, Barbara Streisand recorded one of his. Yeah, was, oh, man. big. But big, I just thought it was wild that they got so successful that they couldn't even yeah. record their own songs anymore. That's kind of mind blowing, you know. And they were just sitting there. They had. I mean, you just knew them when you heard them. Mm. pretty distinctive yeah uh they sure, had uh, i love the thing uh how they uh, reinvented themselves to carry forth you know to keep to continue the career you know a lot of groups they get to a certain point and they cannot change with the times or the styles change so drastically, you know, but they just kept changing. Mm-hmm. They would reinvent themselves or just stylistically in here. It's good stuff. Well, and then there was that, that thing with the Saturday Night Fever that was like the drummers, mm-hmm. like parents, somebody died and he had to leave and they just ended up looping the drum part. Yeah, yeah. And that wasn't even like intentional. They just did it and then they had to keep it. Mm -hmm. They ended up keeping it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Was that the birth of disco? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was right there. The perfection of it. Kind of (laughs) coincided with it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. (laughs) Yeah, that's so. You got your new album, mm-hmm. and uh, you're playing. Uh, you're playing some pretty high-profile festivals uh, in the near future. Yeah. By the time this podcast airs, it'll all be history. But tell us about where well, you're at. On Friday, I'm playing in St. Augustine at the Sing Out Loud Festival. I'm playing opening up for. Dylan LeBlanc, who's an incredible songwriter. Oh, yeah. Um, and then next week, I am playing at Merle Fest for the Chris Austin Songwriting Contest, bringing up full circle here for the songwriting contest. But that was Ooh. something that 
it's a huge honor. I mean, you know, Merle Fest is, oh, yeah. was founded by Doc Watson, named after his son Merle. <clears throat> and, um, you know, uh, so one of my songs from this album, South Dakota, was picked to be a finalist. So I'm going to go up there and play it next week. That's and we'll the see title what of happens. Yeah. The title of your song is South Dakota. Yep. That was a song. I was just joking with my friend Kristen. Like I I wrote that song in Nashville after I, I just met this girl who was from South Dakota and who had just moved to Nashville. Mm -hmm. And she had gotten broke up with somebody and was like heartbroken and had just moved to Nashville. And actually I was kind of in the same place at that time. And I thought, Oh, well wait, I can write about this, my heartbreak from somebody else's perspective. And it'd be Ooh. like, almost like uh -huh. it was separate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I realized by the, the end, I'm like, actually, I just wrote this about myself, <laughs> you know, but, that was the original inspiration, you know. And then, you know, South Dakota Public Radio called me up one day and interviewed me. So I was like on the NPR station up there and they were all like, okay, who was she? Because <laughs> oh, they God, all assumed man. it was one of their, you know, South Dakota songwriters who had moved to Nashville. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. First of all, you know, you can never kiss and tell. <laughs> and then secondly, she wasn't a songwriter, so. She's going to have to remain anonymous forever. <laughs> I don't even remember her name anymore. <laughs> uh, you mentioned Christian. Is that the guy that uh, uh, that uh, I think I may have met through you that performed at the guitar pool once or twice? I had a girl named Pearl. Oh, Christian Lee Hudson, yeah. Was that who you're talking about when you mentioned Christian? Oh, no. Your no. friend Christian? No, he he lives in like okay. in L.A. now, but he's still doing music. But but uh, uh, y'all are friends. Yeah, yeah. You this Christian Lee Hudson. Yeah. yeah, it's a small world, right? I know. I just uh, I keep seeing in Pearl, uh, Pearl James, Pearl, Pearl Charles, Charles. Yeah. Uh, she's doing music too. She's doing. I, I see her surfacing out there. You know would. Mm. videos and uh you know good things happen seems like y'all are uh finding your uh your niche your market uh well now that we can't play shows we gotta like do other things like mm -hmm. you know and like i'm gonna i wrote a bunch of songs last year and I just kind of decided instead of doing another album, I'm going to do like a series of singles because yeah. as much as, you know, we love albums mm -hmm. and I love albums. Like I've thought of, of that direction before. A lot of people like just, you know, boom. And it's a way of, I, I just kind of realized with this, <laughs> when you make an album, it takes like, for me at least, it takes like two or three years mm -hmm. to like write the songs, record them, put it all together. And that's like almost like too long to wait yeah. anymore, you know. So, but with singles, you can keep them content coming, on right? Yeah, quicker. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. And I've kind of found as much like this song, South Dakota, was uh, on a few Spotify playlists, and you know, whatever. It's 
we could sit here and criticize the the economics of music streaming, which you know mm. I don't really feel like doing right now. But like, that's actually one of the few places where you can get organic traffic, where with like uh-huh. people that you, you don't know and don't know you, and you're not. I'm not paying for yeah. it. Mm-hmm. A lot of like you know so. And also, it's really, really important to me for everything to be fun. Mm. You know, like I need to get excited about it. I don't want to get stressed out about it or frustrated, you know. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like when you put out an album, the the money and the time you invest in it, it kind of creates stress. Stress. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You feel like this is it. This is. The, I'm putting all my eggs into this basket. Uh, I got to do this. I got to la la la. And I'm like, I don't really need to do that to myself right now. You know what I mean? And <laughs> but this has been, you know, I can't complain. You know, I had a lot of good things happen so far with this album. And I recommend everybody listen to it on vinyl because it's mm-hmm. a totally different experience. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I got to work with, um, my producer johnny erian up in massachusetts and he's he's like an amazing musician like and songwriter and it turned out to be now he's like one of my best friends cool so you know like where was that that you recorded it up in uh dalton massachusetts near pittsfield in the berkshires cool he had like at this place called the pencil factory it's like one of those old like brick buildings that they there's a brewery in the basement and a recording studio and a coffee shop and kind of like trying to create that sense of culture and community. And mm-hmm. he happened to have um, somebody had given him Jackson Brown's old Studer tape machine Dang. from like, so we recorded this whole album on tape that Jackson Brown recorded like stuff on. Oh, that, so that album. Yes. <laughs> So I'm very cool. Go home and listen to that tonight. Yep. <laughs> yeah, me and Eric were listening to it the other night, and it was just like, I mean, I was a little tipsy, but I was like, <laughs> yeah. You know, when you listen to your own album on vinyl, yeah, there's nothing be, like that. Man. It's, it's like just be, a thrill. Yeah, it's got to be thrilling. And I don't do it all the time, too. So when I do do it, mm-hmm. it's even like, whoa, you know. Cause I don't even have a record player at home. You don't. Mm-mm. I can tell you where you can get a good it. one. No, there's there are only uh, about a hundred, hundred, hundred and thirty dollars. Uh, they may may have come down. I bought one for Christmas for myself about four or five years ago. U-turn, U-turn audio, and. Uh, yeah, nice, then I'd nice, pretty, pretty, pretty little turntable. Yeah, I've yeah. got one of those little suitcase deals pop up, and it's mm-hmm. uh, this guy where you can plug up but auxiliary speakers or whatever. But mm-hmm. that sounds cool on that little thing, anyway. Well, yeah, and you can get them uh, Bluetooth, mm-hmm. uh, little tiny speakers built into it, or something like that. i don't know where'd you get them printed up oh kindercore vinyl up in athens georgia i've heard of them 
Oh, yeah. they're great. They're really Cash is uh, works with them. He's one of my best friends. He played drums on like my previous album. Cash. I, Cash Carter. Yeah. He's from Jacksonville originally too. That's right. That's how he's, I met him. Uh, we're Facebook friends. Yeah. So he's. I think I met him through you. Probably. Possibly. He he came. He played it one. The, the one yeah. year that I played with the band, Cash was there. That's right. That's, yeah. That's... So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a good friend. Well, tell us about you uh, about the time that we met. It may have been a a year or two after, but uh, you took over uh, this uh, part of uh, Stetson Kennedy Foundation uh, mm-hmm. sponsored a songwriting. Uh, songwriter residency residency yeah, yeah. down in jacksonville and uh stetson kennedy very uh uh impressive uh background uh, that i knew nothing about uh until you told me about him and uh he was an old friend of woody guthrie's mm-hmm. back in the day and uh hmm. uh tell us uh I mean, you being you being the biographer and all of that kind of stuff, you you can tell it a whole lot better than me. Tell yeah. us a little bit about Stetson Kennedy in this land down there. Well, this was another you know example of not us not knowing our own history, and mm-hmm. I I went there. My friend Josh, um, who also played drums with me sometimes. He was a, he's a historian, and he told me about you know Stetson. I had read something about how Woody used to go to Florida, and mm. I was like, so I was like, is this? Oh, this is kind of nearby. And then Josh kind of told me more about Stetson and his his history. So one day I'm like, I got to go down there because I always do that. I go when I was in Idaho recently. I went to Ernest Hemingway's grave. So I always do that mm-hmm. everywhere I travel. I always go there's something to see like that i will go Mm -hmm. so i went there one day and i'm like walking (laughs) it's weird i was in whole foods getting lunch before i went to beluthahatchee and this guy i ran to this guy and i told him what i was doing he's like oh i have i actually happened to work with them and this was ayalani who we ended up doing this then i met stetson's daughter (laughs) And um, it turned out that Stetson had always wanted it to become like an artist residency after he passed away. Yeah. And so it's like a, his house is a museum. The land is like a, par- a park of St. John's County. And then there's this other house where I actually wrote a bunch of songs there. Mm-hmm. And other songwriters, too, like we had Sarah Lee Guthrie come there. We're working on a video of her and like to try to tell the story because back in the day when Stetson and Woody were there, they would like sleep in a bus basically next to a, a late, a little pond. Mm. And, uh, so, but it's like this amazing place that was designated a literary landmark twice for once for Stetson and once for Woody, because Woody wrote one of his books there, the seeds of man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like for everybody who always says Florida has no history, it's like, no, you know, actually it does. You just have to dig a little bit deeper underneath oh, yeah. the surface. 
Yeah. Uh, you familiar with uh, um, Gamble Rogers? Oh yeah. Yeah. He was he was huge too down in down in North Florida, and who ended up being important fixture down there. Well, actually, you know the show I'm playing on Friday is the Gamble Rogers Showcase. It is. Yeah, and, <laughs> and they have a festival. Sing out loud. Yeah, yeah. They had to cancel the festival because of COVID this year, but they're doing yeah. this as a part of kind of. Okay. Yeah, it's like. As a nod towards it, yeah, mm -hmm. that's great. But what what are y'all doing? A stream or like it's an actual concert? You said they yeah, canceled. this is going to be a concert. Yeah, Friday. Okay, they, they canceled actually, the uh, yeah. Gamble Rogers Music Festival, but they're they're working a nod to it in uh, with I the Sing you. Out Loud Festival in St. Augustine. And I was just down in St. Augustine last week for a little mini vacation. Well, Come again this weekend. Come see the show. Are <laughs> you busy? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm playing this weekend. Yeah, you should go. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's not that far, right? Two hours. I've never been to the um, uh, Saint Augustine Amphitheater. Well, I'm not playing there, but I'm playing at Colonial Quarter, which is real nice outdoor. But there's. I was thinking I'm, I'm probably going to go to a show at the amphitheater like on Sunday. So Cactus Sing Blossoms. Out Loud Festival is is pretty unique in that in that it's spread over like weekends, right? Yeah, like several weekends, mm -hmm. and they have big names. Yeah, uh, Emmy Lou played down there one year. I remember seeing her name on the bill one year. Uh, yeah, they do a great job of booking like really cool stuff that yeah. I like. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and uh, so I'm excited. I mean, I'm going to be at Beluthahatchee this weekend too. Like, actually, if you want to come, I can show you. We can oh, go to Beluthahatchee man. too because I'm going to be there. That'd be awesome. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Okay. See if we can't make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, it's, you know, after the last year that we had, it's just so, I'm just so grateful to be able to do anything. You know? yeah. yeah, me too. Me too. So. Yeah. Well, it's still, ain't, <laughs> I, I swear to God, we, <laughs> we ain't out of the woods yet. Of course, it's like you were saying a while ago, I don't think, I think this is here to stay. Mm -hmm. It's just the new flu you know mm -hmm. and uh eventually science will catch up to it hopefully like all the all the ones in the past you know and uh and be able to moderate the severity of it uh with proven vaccines uh i don't know Right now, even as we speak, there's a brand new variant out there mm. called the Mu. Have you heard about that one? No. Mu. I have not been watching. There's the cases. There's <laughs> cases of the Mu variant in every state right now. It's just uh, slowly gaining uh, traction. You know, slowly gaining, uh, slowly being a little more in the news. You know. Mm. Mu, 
So it's the new Mew flu. <laughs> Steely Dan had a chord called a Mew major. Mew major? Yeah. It came out, with, it, was, it was like a flatted second or something like that. Take the second note of the scale and flat it, I think is how you 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 made a mu major. <laughs> well, you guys want to take a break and come back and you play us a song or something there, Brad? Yeah. If you feel like playing something? Oh, sure. Awesome. That sounds yeah. good. We'll, we'll be, be right. right back. Something in my brain won't let me stray. Something in my veins gonna find its way. Something in the water taught me how to pray. When the cold black water finds its way into your veins, you'll never be the same. Hey, welcome back. Okay, Brad, let's hear some of your originals off of this fine new album. Well, I'm going to start off with the, the title track, Go With The Flow. And I wrote this one in Florida, Appaloosahatchee. It like, came to me just uh, while I was there because that place has been a huge inspiration for me. So Awesome. Well, there are so many fish in the sea. And if you don't think I'm special, why are you talking to me? Well, we can go on like this for many a year, but I don't want to see you drowning in tears. Oh, you got to go with the flow. And you gotta know Cause if you miss the boat You're gonna be sad, sad, sad When I think of what I had I could sit here feeling bad But now I'm kinda glad that it's gone Well sometimes you sit and whine Sometimes you gotta sit and pine Sometimes you drink yourself silly Till you cry, cry, cry But don't ask yourself why Just go get it done Cause everything else is a waste of time You gotta go with the flow You gotta know and you gotta know Cause if you miss the boat, you're gonna be sad, sad, sad When I think of what I had, I can sit here feeling bad But now I'm kinda glad that it's gone Well, you know sometimes it gets dark and gloomy You can just slow down, don't be in a hurry if you're on the right road You're gonna get there There is no reason to despair You 
gotta go with the flow You gotta know when you gotta know Cause if you miss the boat You're gonna be sad, sad, sad When I think of what I had I can sit here feeling bad makes you feel better sometimes singing it <laughs> but you got to be careful when you write a song because you never know it might come true <laughs> here's another one i wrote in um when i was in nashville and then this is the one that was a finalist at the merle fest songwriting contest and and this was like you know i met this girl who was you know had just gotten her heart broken and i was like oh wow let me try writing a song about somebody besides myself and but that I failed. <laughs> well, she came from South Dakota. Someone tore apart her heart. So she moved to Nashville trying to make a new start. Yes, the stars align just as I had arrived. And inside, I'm an optimist. I took it as a sign. South Dakota, I already know ya. And though I've never been, I'm gonna jump right in. And what I've seen, I Just might be the right fit I know it sounds silly That you might meet that special someone When you're all out all by yourself And you feel like you've got no one She grabbed my arm and swiftly Kissed me down the street There is no way this could be South Dakota, I already know ya Though I've never been, I'm gonna jump right in From what I've seen, I really like it And your lips just might be the right friend all our friends were watching I wondered what they thought Love must look ridiculous To those who have forgot What am I to do When I dream about that night I guess go find somebody else Until we get it right South Dakota Right in. From what I've seen, 
really like it And your lips just might be the right fit A crazy horse standing at the grassland Deadwood Black Hills to the Badlands Buffalo Wounded knee, black elk speaks Stole the gold and traded a dust bowl South Dakota, I already know ya Though I've never been, I'm gonna jump right in From what I've seen, I really like it Just might be the right See why that one got you in. <laughs> that's good. That's got a good. Uh, it's memorable. I mean, it's chord, the melody, yeah. everything. It's just by the end of the song, you sing along. You know. Thanks. That's a good one. Yeah, you know what the funny thing is? Like I was saying, you got to be careful what you write. Like right after I wrote that song, I got invited to play like a festival in South Dakota. Oh, wow. That's how crazy it is, <laughs> you know? So now I just have to write one for every town. <laughs> just gonna write one for every state. <laughs> you, Start writing songs you. for what you want to happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day. Like, I was listening to Be My Baby, like, on the radio. And I was like, how crazy is it that, like, the guy who turned out to be a total psycho murderer, like, wrote this song? <laughs> <laughs> you talking about Phil? Yeah, <laughs> good old Phil. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> well, they say there's a fine line between genius and madman. <laughs> yeah, and he crossed them all. <laughs> <laughs> Not hard to go down that. <laughs> yeah, trip and fall on the wrong side. <laughs> Yeah, there was like one of those, there was like this Jesus meme going around on the internet, and it turned out it was a picture of Charles Manson or something. Oh, God. And people didn't even recognize it. Dude, yeah. So beware out there with your memes. <laughs> I think uh, I think I would recognize him unless he's, you know, because every picture of Charles Manson I ever seen was like crazy. Crazy, yeah. You know, like, I never seen any painting of Jesus with <laughs> with that look. <laughs> never. They did. They did some Photoshop. Some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, he did. Uh, Charles Manson thought he was Jesus, <laughs> or probably yeah. uh, proclaimed he was going to be the second coming. Remember, he's going to go down in a hole in the desert and wait, <laughs> wait on the till the end of the great race war. Hmm. Between blacks and whites, and then reemerge out of the hole and lead 
mm. every, lead whoever was left, I guess, <laughs> after the race war. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Why do yeah, crazy people have a way of just like going to places yeah. where, you know, nobody else is gonna go. <laughs> that, well, that's what makes them great. <laughs> that's what we do as songwriters. Delusion. We go places where where nobody thinks Delusions about going, you know. And that's funny because that's what uh, Paul McCartney when he wrote Helter Skelter, <laughs> he definitely uh, didn't have in mind mass murder. Mm-hmm. You know, it was about uh, it was about climbing to the top of a slide, playground slide. And sliding <laughs> down, you know, the most innocent. That's thing. a damn happy, yeah, thought. You know, little children on a playground, and then next thing you know, it's uh, Tate LaBianca murders. Well, Sir Paul tried. You know, he did. He did he try. Just, all he wanted to do ooh, was ooh, have people love each other. You know? Will you cut up the crazies? <laughs> the crazy, crazy people. Damn hippies. <laughs> Dirty hippies. Yeah. Do us, do us one more. Uh, okay, this song has... Um, I was one of those days I was sitting there and I was like, trying to turn the TV on and I couldn't figure out how to turn it on. <laughs> you know how sometimes you press power oh, or, yeah, you, yeah. or you press on yeah. and that turns it off and then you turn it on and it's yeah. never... So I don't watch a lot of TV, but when I do, I usually have trouble turning it on. <laughs> and I was like, ah, man. Like the other day, I went to the to the deli. I wanted to buy some prosciutto for this party I was going to. And I got to the place, and it was closed. And I took my mask, and I threw it on the ground. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and anyway. So, you know, these are, these are the struggles that I deal with on a daily basis. <laughs> My life is super hard. Uh, This song's called One Mistake After the Other. You can't fix all the broken things in life. You can't sit around all night crying that you've been hurt. I love to live and learn But always make things worse Cause nothing's fair in all the universe Cause it's just the one mistake After the other Make a wish and then try harder Some people don't even bother And that is why they're sad I try not to judge, steal, or lie But that don't mean things are gonna go right No, I'm not one to give you all that free advice But you gotta keep moving and leave it all behind Cause it's just the one mistake After the other, make a wish and then cry harder Some people don't even bother And that is why they're sad I've fallen down so many times I don't know which way is up 
But just like everybody else, I think I've had enough. No, I'm not one to tell you things that you already know. Some of us are just a little bit slow. Cause it's just one mistake after the other. Make a wish and then try harder. Some people don't even bother, and that is why it's one mistake after the other. Make a wish and then cry harder. Some people don't even bother, and that is why they're sad. That is why they're sad. Yeah, right on. I love that one now. Your songs are uh, deceptively simple. Um, there's a lot going on there. <laughs> it's got that, just that good old sing-along kind of quality to it, you know. It's, and, uh, man, good, 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 Sam, good writing. Well, what do they say? It's like anybody can write something complicated, or any idiot can write something complicated, but it's hard to write something simple. Yep. There you go. That's mm -hmm. it. Something like that. Mm -hmm. That's the genius of like Hank Williams or, you know, mm -hmm. stuff like that. You know? Yeah. Plus, the simpler it is, the better. The easier it is to understand. Less is more. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great melodies and uh, the stories and all. I, I enjoy it. Thank you. Which you you gotta. I can't wait. I'm gonna I'm I'm lay with that album when I get home tonight. <laughs> oh, and I appreciate. I lay with your wife, man. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, it's hard. It's hard. We <laughs> yeah. we sleep in separate rooms and separate. Well, that makes you appreciate each other yeah. more <laughs> when you see her. But now that we've got an album, we can listen to together. Yeah. Album with some candlelight. That's, oh, this is baby making music. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> you know, that'd be a, 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 a miraculous <laughs> act <laughs> to have that happen right now. Yeah, well, you can if, try, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's you fun, ever heard of try. vasectomy? <laughs> <laughs> well folks it's it's uh time for another tale of the week from myself and uh this is uh this one is very relevant uh seeing as how we're sitting on uh the first day of uh 2022 yeah. How about that? Happy New Year, <laughs> yeah. old co-host. <laughs> On a December 31st afternoon in 1952, Hank Williams climbed into the back seat of his powder blue Cadillac and headed out of Montgomery, Alabama to a New Year's Eve show in Charleston, West Virginia. His driver, Charles Carr, a college student called ahead from Knoxville to let them know Hank would not arrive on time due to the severe ice storm that had crippled air and road transportation. Carr was told to head the car on towards Canton, Ohio, 
where Hank was scheduled to play on New Year's Day. In Knoxville, the driver requested a doctor for Hank. After Dr. P.H. Cardwell injected Hank with two shots of vitamin B12 that also contained a quarter grain of morphine, they toted him out to the back seat and headed out again. Carr drove the car on until Oak Hill, West Virginia, where he stopped to refuel the Cadillac at about 5.30 a.m. Somewhere between Knoxville and Oak Hill, Hank Williams, the king of country music, passed away. On January 4th, Hank's funeral was held at the Montgomery Municipal Auditorium, where over 20,000 fans and loved ones passed by his silver coffin to pay their final respects. His body was laid to rest at the Oakwood Annex Cemetery in Montgomery. My entry into this world followed Hank Williams' exit exactly nine months to the day. I've probably been listening to him since I was conceived, seeing as how my daddy owned every album he had ever released. It's the first music I ever heard growing up as a child, and it still holds a sacred place in my heart. I can only imagine how much daddy loves his songs. Hank Williams was one of the 20th century's most celebrated singer-songwriters. He had 11 number one hits over his career, as well as a slew of others in the top 10. His legacy was immense. In 1960, he received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. In 61, he was inducted in the Country Music Hall of Fame. In 85, he was inducted into the Alabama Music Hall of Fame. 87, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. 99, the Native American Music Hall of Fame. In 2010, he was awarded a posthumous songwriting citation by the Pulitzer Prize Board. In 2011, his 1949 number one hit, Love Sick Blues, was inducted into the Recording Academy Grammy Hall of Fame. Hank Williams was an inspiration to many artists of the 50s and 60s, including Elvis, Jerry Lee Lewis, Carl Perkins, Gene Vincent, Ricky Nelson, George Jones, Merle Haggard, and Conway Twitty. It's safe to say that Daddy's love for Hank's music was well warranted, as was millions of other devotees around the world. December 15th of 2015, I was invited to play a songwriter guitar pool at the Cloverdale Playhouse in Montgomery. I shared the stage with fellow Georgians, Kate and Corey of Atlanta, and Heather Luttrell from East Point. As part of our compensation, we each received two passes to the Hank Williams Museum downtown. So the next morning, my wife, Lynn, a grand old Opry country music-loving girl herself, rode with me as we took in the sights and sounds of Hank Williams Town. We started with lunch at Chris Hot Dogs, the oldest restaurant in Montgomery where Hank used to dine. Moving on, we found Hank's bronze lifelike statue in a downtown park, then visited the museum several blocks away where we discovered a treasure of memorabilia, including his 1952 blue Cadillac, his famous cream-colored nudie suit, covered with blue notes on a musical staff, 
and his 1947 Gibson acoustic guitar. From the museum, we eased on up Upper Watupka Road and turned into the Oakwood Cemetery Annex. We found the graveside of Hank Williams, a beautiful marble testament to the man also known as Luke the Drifter. I wrote a song in honor of Hank Williams back in 2005, and I was hell-bent on singing it that day. I pulled my Martin guitar out of its case, dropped the six string down to a D, and started singing as a cold December rain began to fall. This is kind of what it sounded like. For Hank Williams. Taking a ride in a long blue Cadillac Man in the backseat shooting up smack Hearing the sound of a lonesome whippoorwill Breaking up the still night making me feel so lonesome I could cry so Lonesome, I might die. I'm lonesome. Can't you see? I need you here to comfort me. Broken down heart, sinking low in Alabama. Damn heat screen door slam Knocking out songs in the key of misery Setting the pieces of my cold heart free I'm lonesome I could cry So lonesome I might die I'm did that uh lynn did that camera work there. i was gonna ask if that was justin <laughs> so. 
that was Justin. Yeah, and uh, we were, uh, and it was starting to rain, and it didn't start to rain until right then when she she turned the camera on, and I started playing this little tribute to Hank as the rain started drizzling down. I thought, oh hell, it rained the first time I went there. Uh, it's a beautiful place. Yeah. I mean, look at the 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 cowboy hat. Yeah, how I like that it's at the top of that hill, and if you're looking behind where the camera is now, but uh, yeah, you can see just mm -hmm. rolling hills or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, boy, old Hank wasn't wasn't but a few like him. And they ain't but a few like our good buddy, <laughs> Brad Loretti. Y'all check him out. Uh, this Frontier Needs Heroes, I guess your Instagram, yeah. all uh, the places that they can find you online, YouTube. Uh, oh, yeah. All oh, that stuff. All that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just search uh, This Frontier Needs Heroes and you'll find mm -hmm. it all. Or go to my website, get the links. Well, buddy, we we sure do appreciate you being here. Uh, well, it was and, great uh, to see you. Hang yeah. in there, buddy. That's all we can do, right? Yeah, that's right. Hope and hang. Be be safe out there on the road, and uh, look forward to seeing you again soon. Yeah. Look forward to seeing y'all again soon. Come on back. Happy New Year. Hey.